Hello and welcome. I've totally forgot how I started <laughs> the podcast. It. This so is the Filmmakers Podcast. Thank you, Robbie. Right. And what else does it say? This is a podcast about films, how to make them, how to get them made, and how not to try not to F it up. How not very, to try. Very, <laughs> how to try not to F it up. What oh a total gosh. shambles. What a total shambles. Maybe I, the most shambolic intro we've ever done. Probably, but I like that. It keeps it natural and free. It's ironic as well because we're in a very professional setting. Mm. This is the first time, for I think, since the Mark Strong interview where we've been in a proper studio. recording studio. Mm. And we are in Cameo in Mayfair. Obviously, we talk about films and how we make them, how people make them, and how you can hopefully be inspired by what we do. And today, I'm delighted to say my co-hosts are not only one fantastic person, but two fantastic persons. They're not here, but we do have Robbie McCain, our editor, producer. Slick, <laughs> Slick, Slick Radio. Wow. Oh. Radio <laughs> presenting. Uh, we have Robbie McCain. Oh, hello. hello. How are you? Good, thanks, Giles. Uh, you've been on holiday. Yeah. Just for a week, yeah. Which is nice because we've been working on the TV show for a while, haven't we? Yeah. The Anthea Turner's Hot Topics. On London Live, yeah. yeah. Which went out on London Live. And if you notice in the credits, listeners, very few people mentioned in the credits. So Just me and you lots of times. very, very kind of uh, high tension, <laughs> but fun production team. Yeah, Anthea was amazing, by the mm. way. She was really cool and we had a great time shooting that. And in between that, I was prepping King Arthur, um, which I've gone away and shot. And anyway, you know that because I've been on the podcast before yeah. that since. So you haven't stopped, really? I have not stopped because I've been shooting The Heartless, which is the TV pilot, which went brilliant so well. I really enjoyed it. Crew were amazing, cast were amazing. Just you're like, I want to be back on there now filming mm. it because it was so good. Must have been fun going straight from a feature into that. It was actually, and what it was good was it was that break from your head where you're going, oh my god, just done a feature, oh god, just can't stop thinking about it, to going, I can forget about that for now and go shoot something else. And I felt very fresh, and I felt very alive that I could go, oh, it's like when actors, when they act all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, get it out of your system. Get it out, get it out of your system. <laughs> uh, we also have joining us, I haven't introduced him, you have heard him, and he's the fantastic director of Winter Ridge, Dom Lenoir. Hello, buddy. Hello, hello. We've also directed two of the films that we don't talk about, do we? We don't really, no. But we do need to talk about the Make Your Film event. We do. Which is on. Is this the announcement? This is the announcement. Wow. It's you very, very first, exciting. Uh, I, think so I, we are... I think I actually announced it last week. <laughs> Oh, you listen, killed so it! You killed it! Killed it! But let's do the I, big I caught up. I watched. I listened to a few. You watched. I watched, watched a few. Podcasts. I watched the screen and then like had it on mute. I did on mute. <laughs> <laughs> you just like to watch the Wait, the bar. The bar. Yeah, that, it's, it's very nice. Now bar. those of you who listen all the time, <clears> which is most of you, and you're amazing. All of you, thank you for listening. Pretend you don't know. When is it, Tom? Tenth of December. Oh my God! Yes. Wow! It's back at Theatre Delhi. <laughs> it's going to start at seven thirty. Yes. And it starts earlier for networking. That's it does. It starts at 6.30 for networking. You mm. have a very nice bar. It'll probably be Christmassy themed by that point. Well, uh, it will be, yeah. There's a nice little discount code at the bar as well, so you yes. can get some nice drinks in. Chat to some very good filmmakers. We have a lot of our guests from previous events go there, so there's always some very yeah, high-level people there, which is pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing people don't really realise, is in the crowd are people who were previously on the panel, and not many people usually go talk to them because they don't realise that they're... They're big shots. So they these are on people the are big shots. Very big shots. Do you know what we'll do this time? Is those who have been on the panel before will announce them. We'll say, here they are. Here they are. No, are. no, that's ruining it. I like that. You oh, know, okay. people who are in the know. We'll just give them. We'll just give them a sticker, like shooting people. <laughs> we should yeah. give out. Yeah, no, just brief descriptions on the podcast. And that way, podcast listeners will be in the know. But mm. I like that. Mm. 
Yeah. All right, yeah. you special, wonderful people. December the 10th. Who's uh, our first guest? Someone very exciting. Are we allowed to announce we our are. first guest, Tom? Are we? Yeah. Serious? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So She's, this is an official announcement. This is an official announcement. She, okay, see if you can guess who it is. She has been on the podcast before. Can you guess who it is, Robbie? So we've already had right, Lucinda on one of them. First podcast. Yes, Lucinda. It's not Lucinda Rose Sacra, who was the producer and of my King We've Arthur already movie. had Tori Butler Hart. Tori Butler Hart's already been on. She's already had a panel. I don't know. It is the fantastic Deborah Haywood who made the wonderful pin cushion. She is our first oh. guest. She is brilliant. She's going to tell you about how she made that movie, and it's a great story. Fantastic. It is very much so. So, December the 10th, we could witter on for ages, but we want to get to our guest. Do you know what's going to drop in halfway through this episode? Is our sponsor this week? This week you can win a free copy of Shotlister. Shotlister, Whoa. wait for the uh, middle of this podcast. I'm just going to drop it in. So in the middle of this podcast, you, so can, you can listen to the whole thing. Basically. You have to. You have to listen now, but oh. you can get a free copy of Shotlister. Shotlister is a brilliant app for filmmakers. You'll find out more because our guest is joining us. It's Zach Lipovsky. He's joining us halfway through this podcast. I actually been using Shotlister on the Heartless, and it was oh, yeah? fantastic. Yeah, all the yeah. crew. It was the first time they'd used it. It's good, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. I used it on King Arthur, but then new Game first changer. came in the country. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. You can move any shots around at any point you wow. want uh, during the day on a... Just pick a shot and, and throw it out of the schedule. <laughs> well, obviously it's Your on... ADs the... will love you. Yes. Producers <laughs> love it. <Yeah. laughs> on an app. No, but ADs love that because they've got it on their schedule as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they can, they can see it actively, actively being, being, being demolished. It. Demolished, your shots are shit. We have and to the do stress this levels That's a different Your live producer That's having a, a nervous breakdown. Totally different app. But anyway, yeah. look out for me and Zach having some fun uh, halfway through this podcast. Okay, so this week's guest, Tom Harper, he started off making short films. We could talk about how he managed to do that, right? What else do we talk about with him? Come uh, on, Tom. Everything, really. His fantastic start in with short mm. films uh, his attitude towards networking and building up relationships with people mm-hmm. uh, his transition into TV pitching funding bodies yep um, how the TV dynamic works as opposed to films working with incredible actors such as Jesse Buckley on Wild Rose mm-hmm. and then his recent very Jones. exciting film yep. the aeronaut Felicity Jones Eddie Redmayne Eddie Redmayne um, Hot air balloons, no elephants, but you'll find out about that later. Perfect. So basically, Tom Harper has directed things like Misfits, The Scouting Book for Boys, which is a fantastic feature film. This is England 86 on TV. Uh, Peaky Blinders, he went and directed, as well as The Woman in Black, Angel of Death. He also directed War and Peace with Paul Dano and Lily James and Jesse Buckley at the time, which is where they got talking about Wild Rose, which is his fantastic feature film. And we also talk about foxes and how you can pick the right fox for your film. Thank you very much, Cameo, for having us. You're a delight, Claire, and all the team here. Thank you. You are going to listen to the podcast with Tom Harper. <laughs> well, that, was that, what was that? It's anyway. like, like a sound of it. Oh, it's nice. It's a hot air balloon. There we go. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Robbie saved it. Yeah. <laughs> make a fox noise. Make a fox noise. Go. No, I'm not going to make a fox noise. <laughs> <laughs> right, enjoy this week's podcast with Tom Harper. We are absolutely delighted to be joined on the Filmmakers Podcast by Tom Harper, director, screenwriter, all round everyman. How are you doing? Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Happy to be here. Uh, I'm with Robbie, uh, editor producer, who Dom Lemoir, obviously, really. as well. We're delighted to have you. Thanks. Honestly, it's an honour. Your film, The Aeronauts, is out now, technically, because this is going out Tuesday. So it's out now. How do you feel right now? You're feeling good? Uh, yeah, good. Uh, excited, nervous, you know, all the, the usual things, really. But... Um, 
you know, it's why you make it, isn't it? To, to get it out there. I mean, as much as I'd like to just keep it in a vault somewhere and, uh, you know, sometimes yeah. I think that, but, you know, of course, that is the, the now is the really exciting part. So. Yeah, absolutely. It does, does that happen quite a bit then? If sometimes you just want to hold on to something, you kind of don't want to unleash it, or has it got to the point where you're ready to unleash? Mm, I, I, you know, you make it to share it with an audience. That is fundamentally what you do. So that's always exciting. But there is a sort of golden time after you finish it before you have to really show it to anyone when you know you're gonna. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of it's it's very exposing showing your work, isn't it? You, you just and you really you really hope that people are going to love it. And mm. uh, well, actually, you always hope that it's a complete masterpiece, and you and you hope it's not going to be a complete failure, and inevitably it's somewhere. In the middle. Yeah, well, that's the thing. People can love it or they can hate your films, right? I mean, and in just... general, in fact, all my experiences today, and I'm sure pretty much every filmmaker that's ever been or any artist that's ever been mm. or creative, you know, you're always going to find people that, that love your, what you work and then mm. people that, that hate it. And that's what makes it exciting and of course there's a there's a multitude of, of of opinions so obviously you know the filmmakers podcast is a retrospective it's talking about how we make our films it's inspiring for people uh, out there to say look how do you do it how do you go about it and especially someone like yourself who's, who's done you know it's a really incredible career you've had so far you know starting off in tv and moving up to where you are now working with some amazing people so we wanted to jump back a little bit um and help people out there inspire them a little bit about how you actually started how you got your foot in the door um i know you made your short cubs and that made a big big difference but it was what happened before that how did you even put you know pen to paper how did you even get on camera well i was um i was actually in a band and mm. uh hang on wait what what kind of band is this can we, can we hear this <laughs> but i was like the least good member of the band and uh, I realised I was a bassist. You were the least oh, okay. good member, and you were the I bassist. I was the least. You oh, yeah. were the drummer. Yeah, <laughs> the drummer was. Yeah, it's one of my best friends, and is sublime. And right. um, anyway, I realised I, I realised I needed a different creative endeavour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working at the time in. Um, I was like a. I just finished school. I think I was seventeen, and I was. I just got a job in a post production facility. I was just making the tea, and you know, being a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, but they ha- they did have sort of days that were down days, and they encouraged you to learn how to use the, the use the equipment. But obviously, you couldn't use other people's footage, so they said, you know, just go and shoot, you know, get a camcorder, go out, shoot something, and see if you can. Right. And you can use that, and you can just you know use the basic editing tools and learn how how it works, mm-hmm. which was very nice of them. Very. Um, so I went out and um, I got the the. Um, the saxophonist of my band um, to write a script because I thought he might be... I don't know why I thought he might be. Anyway. <laughs> saxophonist. I love the saxophonist. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's a guy so cool. called Jack Arnold, who is one of my long-time collaborators who... Uh, who wrote a piece of music? He, uh, he didn't write the score for Aeronauts, but he wrote one of the balls in there. But no he, way. but he That's was cool. the composer and music director on Wild Rose. Wow, uh, yeah. He wrote on Scouting, but for, anyway, so we have had a long um, relationship working together. So, and that is that comes back from you being in a band with him and and him the saxophonist and saying, look, can you uh, can you write a script? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and what sort of shape was that script That's in when it first came to you? It's called Eye Lines. I'm not going to pretend it was the greatest film ever made. <laughs> More me than 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 him, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but we, you know, we did it all ourselves, and we. Uh, mm. But I, the upshot was, I realised I liked. Um, 
shooting the material much more than I like trying to get a computer to work in a dark room. Mm. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I feel the same way. I don't know about you. <laughs> post is a difficult route in as well. Post is really difficult. Uh, yeah, Especially right? running, like running in post is, is a big challenge. Mm. Right? Yeah, exactly. But I didn't, I, at that point, I didn't know that I wanted to be a filmmaker. Mm. How um, come you chose post facilities then? How come you went that way? Was it just... Um, my mum was actually a, she makes, or she used to make education programmes and uh, documentaries and ah. um, she worked for the BBC. So she had, she'd worked there. And so Okay, so you, you got know. your love that way. There was some, there must have been a seed in there that you'd seen that made you want to do that as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 I guess so. But at the time, you know, I, I was, I was, um, I was meant to be studying environmental science at university and... Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know you're inspired by and through osmosis you get you know with your parents and your people that you're surrounded by. So I'm sure that had made a difference, but it wasn't a conscious choice. I don't think. Right. Um, Though my mum is awesome and um, and made some (laughs) wonderful programs. So you know, undoubtedly. Um, and she's very inspiring, so undoubtedly that kind of that kind of had an had an impact on me. Yeah. So, so how did you how did you put together the short? Like who who was involved? Mm. Like did you just think okay, let's get a camera, let's get a, a couple of friends together and, and make something, and it sort of turned out well or horribly? Like what was the process in actually beginning for you? Uh, well, we did we did. It's hard to remember now. It's quite a long time ago. Uh, we <laughs> we didn't really know what we were doing at all. We just, you know, he wrote a script, and you know, I think it was Word, and um, and we just kind of like actually. And his Jack's brother uh, was an actor, right? A guy called Thomas Arnold, who mm. was in Aeronauts, playing playing. That's uh, amazing. There we go. Yeah. There we go. It's big circle. Uh, he was in War and Peace, playing mm-hmm. Denise off, and he's you know again. I've, I've worked with him time and time again. Mm-hmm. A very good friend of mine. Um, and because he was an actor, I think he was a RADA at the time. He was a first year in RADA. And so he had new people that were at RADA. So we just roped a whole load of them in and wow. we were shooting people to shoot people. Yeah, it still exists. I know it still exists. So we put a post on there. We've got a very uh, great supportive cameraman. And my, my mm-hmm. experience at the time, you know, and it's still true to this day, is actually that our industry is a very supportive industry mm. and, you know, where people can, they, they help. And they there is an investment in shorts and it is a part of this thing. We do realise that it's a uh, a thing that's a necessary part of of um, emerging talent and, and finding people and giving people opportunities. And mm. we've always sort of done that. And um, uh, so I benefited hugely from, from that. Um, I think shorts now, especially if you're making a short film, it's a good time to do it because there's so mm. many platforms, so many places you can put a short film out that people will go watch it. You'll click send them a link and they'll watch it. And you I can think find whatever niche audience you need. Yeah, yeah exactly. And also the availability of equipment now is um, much easier yeah. to get hold of. And people are, seem to be willing, DPs and actors seem to be willing to jump on a short and go, well, yeah, you never know where this director's going to go. It might be exactly. the next Tom Harper. You, you, never form, know. you form all those collaborations, <laughs> don't you? Yeah. Uh, and then do. they ride through all the way to. It's end up being features the with them well I've, I've I don't know about you guys but I've tend to work with the same people I mean you just sort of find your tribe and you just keep working with them right like you have with your absolutely and then, the then after that you know I made actually a number of not terribly good shorts but um, mm. but Cubs was the first one that I did that um, that was successful and that really changed things for me but you know but on that film, uh, I worked with a whole bunch of people um, that I still work with today and um, I find very inspiring and brilliant people. Mark Eckersley, my editor, Marnie mm-hmm. Paxton Harris, my script supervisor. Um, uh, yeah, Robbie Ryan shot that. So, you know, well, there's a Robbie whole, a whole mm, yeah. wealth of kind of great people that have paths across again and again. Um, 
Has it been difficult to keep them with you? And and it's, a, it's an interesting one with crew sometimes and because they go on to be, sometimes people go on really big and sometimes people don't, but they're all still trying in the industry. And you can come across studios who go, well, yes, we, we like you and you've sold them you. And then you go, cool, now I want my DP and I want my scripty and I want my first. And, and I've had fight back on that a few times yeah. I wonder what like a Hollywood DVD yeah or they, they go or, well yeah. we're testing with you so therefore mm. we want someone bigger has it ever been an issue for you as well so I know it has has for me uh definitely um um yeah it's it's and it's you know that's one thing that nicely has evolved over the as I've got more experienced is knowing Knowing when I can push that, you know, obviously, as the more you, the more experienced you are, and the more of a reputation you have, you can you can fight harder and you can make more demands. They in, trust in one you sense. a bit more, trust, right? Exactly. Okay, yeah. Okay. Well, not necessarily. No. They never trust me. Never trust me. And um, but also, you just learn how far you can push things and where you can make a stand and where you can't make a stand and what you're prepared to. Mm-hmm. And also, you you know, now I feel like actually there are some things that are so fundamental to my process that I'm not prepared to compromise on them. Um, and whereas at the beginning, you know, it was more of like, oh my God, you're actually going to pay me to direct then. Totally, <laughs> right? That's yes. such a wonderful thing. Now I'll do whatever you want me to do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And let's talk about that. How did you jump from Cubs? Because Misfits was next, right? Is that correct? Or certainly some TV came off the back of Cubs? Um, I did. No, it actually happened a bit a bit slower than that. I did Cubs and then I made another short film called Cherries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did a series of Three Minute Wonders for Channel 4. Right. Those kind of short documentaries. And I did a Coming Up for Channel 4 as you well. You did so a Coming Up. I sort nice. of did a bunch of, uh, I suppose, emerging talent mm-hmm. uh, type, short, reasonably short form form. Um, so the, the Channel 4 sort of connection, was that off the back of the success of Cubs and, and Cherries? Did that sort of lead directly to, all right, we'll give you a chance? Or did you have to pitch? Like, what was that process? Uh, yes, uh, but it's a bit more complicated than that in that I, um, I at the same time as all of this was going on, I was also having to earn money. So I mm. was... Um, uh, so initially I was a runner in a post act, but I then went to university um, and I studied drama at Manchester and I did a lot of plays there. Oh, you as an actor type thing? As, or... a, as an acad- academic course. Academic course, yeah, fine. But we, on the side we did a lot of plays and I did okay. a lot of directing of plays and took some stuff to the Edinburgh Fringe and stuff. Nice, um, okay. So I came out of university and I got a job as a runner on a feature film, mm-hmm. uh, a film called Wondrous Oblivion. Okay. Uh, and um, and then I went for a, to work for an agent as an assistant and then I worked at Channel 4 as an assistant. So I was sort of in tandem with trying to make short films and, you know, making stuff. I was, mm. my day job was was being an assistant in the industry, which was, you know, I'm not going to lie, that, that job is a boring job and I didn't, <laughs> uh, you know, for all, the, um, for all the good things that it gave me. And it did give me a lot of good things. Mm. Um, it was it was pretty you know it was pretty I didn't enjoy it very mm. much but it did give me a real understanding of of the workplace in a way that I just didn't have coming out of university and mm. I didn't have when I was making short films which is like just a, an understanding of you know what films how fit scripts get developed uh, who agents are what that process is how you get an agent mm-hmm. how film financing works what what film you know who the different people at different film festivals are what the commissioning structure is you know all those sort of things mm. that actually at the time it just felt like 
you know, being a lackey. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that's not to say I didn't work for some really good people. I really did. Um, you know, my, I worked for uh, Leah Schmidt at the agency, and she was yeah. brilliant. She really kind of taught me a whole lot of stuff. I got to know and uh, meet some really wonderful writers, some of whom I've worked with since. Amazing. Um, so, uh, actually, in hindsight, looking back on it, it was a really valuable experience. Um, mm-hmm. But at the time, I, I couldn't quite see the wood for the trees. I just wanted to be out making films um, but, it, but it is it is important isn't it to sort of surround yourself with where you want to end up even if you're sort of looking at it and thinking like well actually i i should be doing this myself you're still kind of picking up a bit of the energy and the kind mm. of understanding of like how the whole thing works and i guess so immersing yourself in it so you know when you do go off and make your stuff you've got such a, a wealth to kind of call upon yes and maybe some of those people i suppose you collaborated with in the future oh not only collaborated but ended up commissioning me as well mm. and you know like channel four ended up being real supporters of me when they you know they they, they you know in terms of coming up in misfits my first you know tessa ross who i used to work for mm. who was head of film four at the time you know really championed championed me and, and i you know you just you of course this industry like all others is about the relationship you have and asking the right piece of advice at the right time and knowing how the system works so that you can operate within it mm. um where where necessary and and if possible you know mm. um so it did so it did turn out to be very helpful to me absolutely and i suppose what it also did was when you were in there made you keep wanting to make your own things you was like oh god I'll keep doing this but i I've, i want to make mine which made the enthusiasm still there whereas if you've been working at tesco's or whatever that the other supermarkets are available yeah. um, <laughs> you, <laughs> they probably are actually there's probably jobs you might have you the passion for it might have gone a bit so mm. i definitely think it's a way forward you know if i wasn't um doing films now making so I'd, I'd literally be well i want to be in yeah. a post house or a, a, a production house you know when i have worked there it's, it's parallel isn't it it's, yeah it feels like you're still part of it even if you're not part of it yeah right? and it means mm. you can pick up a camera oh, if you need one or you know you go look can i borrow this person or you meet a screenwriter or whatever you're not going to meet that in um morrison's for <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might in waitress or, yeah, well, or maybe yeah. little who knows? <laughs> that, that's really true and you know like I, I really i met and got on with debbie tucker green when i was working mm. for leah schmidt and who was one of leah's clients and i always went to see her plays and i loved her plays and so i just got talking to her and was like you're amazing and and then i ended up directing her um coming up and one of the reasons i think i got on that scheme or we we got that scheme together is because they knew they knew that we got on and liked each other and i think she'd seen cubs and she'd liked it so right. you know it's all about those connections and i just think mm. that it doesn't need to be that but in general as a filmmaker as a well i guess i'm assuming it's the same in any in- industry you, you need to be in it you need to be amongst mm. it and you need to be interacting with people so that so that you give you know i really believe that it's a kind of a combination of su- success is a combination of hard work and luck mm-hmm. um and you in order to be lucky you know you can't really you, without your little moments of luck through scattered throughout it's very hard to move forwards but you only going to give yourself the best possible chance of having that luck if you're in the right place at the right time and you've done that through your hard work and you're meeting people and you're hanging out and you're you're reading and you're going to the theatre and whatever it may be. And planting Mm. seeds I guess in in all different kinds of areas rather than just thinking all right, this is the project I want to get made now I'm going to focus on this person because they're probably my best shot. Mm. You sort of you know you start to meet people from all areas of the industry and just getting to know them because they're good at it and then you never know where things come from I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. I can agree more, yeah. Yeah. So how did you feel when you first on set then you were making cubs can you remember that feeling of did you when you were doing it were you like i really want to be a director this is what i want to do 
I mean, it was. I mean, I almost gave up before that actually because I've been trying to get. After I made, I made a like a. I made uh, that first short film, I Line, yes. Sandwich University. I came out. I made, I made another short film. I made a few very, very, very low budget short films. Yeah, and then bits I, and I, I made one that I um. I sort of begged and borrowed and stole quite a lot. You know, I think it cost two grand or something. But you know, in order to get that money, I wrote to all my extended friends and family and sold them advanced copies of the movie. Mm-hmm. And we did some fundraising gigs with the said band. With from, your said band that yeah. you're not going to give us the name of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll track uh, it down. We'll find worry. it. And I sort of wrote everyone in. Everyone did. A, you know, it was a great. And we shot on thirty-five. Wow. And, okay. Uh, wow. Well, a budget of two thousand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's how much we were begging, borrowing, and stealing. Right. Um, processing must. Cost more. I mean, yeah, yeah, and we do, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I don't think we shot very much footage. <laughs> Must have been one, one take. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, this this won a BAFTA, so uh, I nominated for a BAFTA. No, no, it wasn't. That, that was Cubs. That was called Beat, and that ah, was before Cubs. Right, and that was so we went. That took about two years to make, and it was, and in hindsight, yeah. Well, you can never really know know no. whether it was or it wasn't the right thing to do. Maybe that's what led to Cubs, so maybe it was good. But at the time, it was like. I wish I'd spent that money on making 10 shorts because I put all my eggs into this one basket. Mm. So much time and effort. And I can't, you know, once you've asked those favours once, you can't really do it again. So true. Well, maybe you can, but it's a hard... It's much harder the second time yeah. once you've asked for those favours. When you were sort of starting off, did you do you have like a particular angle that you sort of came into film from, like from maybe writing or working with actors or maybe like you see things very visually? Uh, or was it like an editing? Did you have a sort of a, a route that you came in from? No, I, I don't think so. It was sort of storytelling, I think, mm. um, and just wanting. I've always liked making things, and um, and you know, my tastes are quite varied. I, I like telling stories as as wide as I like watching stories um, mm. or listening to stories. So it's always just been the 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 process of of creation is something that I'm really drawn to and I love people as well and I love exploring people in all their sort of wonderfulness and failure and cracks and grittiness and salt and you know deliciousness uh, <laughs> and so like just sort of ex- exploring that the human condition I suppose is something that's always intrigued me and that sort of relates back to music as well sort mm. of and yeah right um, lyrics, I, I think you can that. see that a lot in yeah. your work as well like particularly aeronauts the human condition and what their philosophy is what they bring to the world there's very there's a lot of you know those sort of themes going on yeah which definitely exactly. comes across so yeah that that's how that's what sort of led me led me to it i think i had this idea for cubs and i knew it was a good idea mm-hmm. and i just i've been trying i'd sent off to every short film scheme under the sun and i knew it was going to cost money because it was about fox and like yeah. You, I knew I couldn't do it without Fox, mm-hmm. and you know you can get if you're persuasive and charming, you can persuade actors to to work for no money. To dress up in a fox costume, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's definitely that it's option. A, it's a kind of last one tree year fox movie. But you know, if I was going to use a fox and dogs, then yeah. they, they were like, you know, you can get camera equipment for free, but mm-hmm. there was this fox was not was not budging. So no. right. <laughs> yes. so they were like 500 quid a day, yeah. take it or leave it. Right. So how do you even approach fox, yeah. fox wranglers? Totally. And, you know. I wrote a lovely letter, Dear Fox, and the fox was called Bandit. Dear Bandit. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, Dear but, that, it was a very, very in-demand fox. That It was in London Film what Festival is... that year and it was in like five <laughs> films. Like, Seriously? Not even joking. It, was in, it was in Red Road, it was in like 
it was, it was the same everywhere, like on Red Road. That's yeah. incredible. Wow. I know there's a bit of trivia for you. That is a good bit yeah. of trivia. Bandit. I wonder if Bandit's still alive. Uh, well, it's probably. How long do they live, foxes? The same life as dog span is usually about oh. up to 15, 16 years. Lived a glamorous life. Right? It, it did. I, I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like the idea that there's one fox that the entire industry <laughs> relies on. All the other foxes. the one pissed off. For fox's sake, flies around the world. Yeah, it was. There it was. Foxy. Um, yeah. So, that, how do you? Right. Let's get back to this because how do you direct a fox? Because uh, I've been directing horses recently, and they don't want to do anything. I well, ask them. You should them. try foxes. Yeah, I should yeah. try foxes. Well, first of all, how do you even find? You know, there's got to be to websites. Get a fox, like, there's yeah. websites for all that furrying and all that. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be careful. Uh, search and, terms are. That's very true. Very true. Careful. They kids. had um, they had a box. And they put the bandit was on a sort of a wire. Yeah. And they had a box, and they put a bit of food in said fox box. box, and then the fox box, <laughs> foxy foxy, foxhole. And, and uh, they 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 took bandit, and they put bandit, you know, if you wanted to him to run right to left or left, you know, appropriate side. Yeah. And then they go, get in your box, bandit. <laughs> Get in your box, bandit. Get in your box, bandit. Like a child. Yeah, like a child. And then yeah. occasionally, bandit would just shoot onto his box, but it could be equally like shoot off into the bushes or just nonchalantly stroll in the other direction. Do anything it wanted. Yeah, still collect the check. Yeah, exactly. Go, thanks very much. Yeah. You oh. hear all these stories about animal trainers on big, big movies like in the past. And mm. um, I've heard a lot of like directors' commentaries where they're saying, like, these animal trainers, they, they come on, they say, like, oh, yeah, there's a science to it. You know, I can whisper to the animals oh, and uh, and they kind of <laughs> and they come on and they do their thing and 50% of the time the animal does nothing it's all just it's all luck at yeah. the end of the day. if you spend enough days eventually they will do something that <laughs> resembles what you're shot in <laughs> that means you did a lot of time and money and I imagine yeah. on cubs you didn't and was there a tricky point where you thought is this fox going to do anything I ask Oh, it was, was it actually right? pretty good. Like I'd say it's about a fifty percent ratio. So okay. you know, that, was, that was enough. That's more than most actors. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> we should use foxes. We should use foxes. Um, a whole film of foxes. And he did. And actually, he did. A, and his close up. It was. Yeah. He was fantastic. Like he just. The really? camera came in. And he just did a little look into the camera with his little uh, <laughs> little beady little, eyes, little foxy eyes, and did a little paw movement just at the right moment. Didn't give it all away on the wide. So <laughs> he, he, he <laughs> did. Saved it for the. That's why he's the number one fox on yeah, GQ. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, the red road fox. That's yeah. kind of cool. That's really cool. So, so that. Um, yeah. Anyway, anyway I was about to, about to get round to my fault. Sorry, I did the whole fox uh, thing because I had this idea fox. for the thing, and but I couldn't get any money for it, and I I right. I had. Um, I tried everywhere, and actually, I, I, and actually, my wife was working at the arts council as an assistant at the same time. We were both been an assistant for several years, and we yeah. were both had had were ready to to move on. And we we're like, right, well, if I don't get, if I can't get this film made, then I don't know what I can get made. So maybe we should just, I don't know, knock it on the head. What would you have done? We were planning on moving to Canada. Oh right, wow. and not to do anything specific, but just, just to be in just Canada, just to try something, you know, new adventure. Okay. Uh, but fortunately, it got uh, some money from Film London. So, um, and I had been trying to, but I, in order to get that money, I had been sweet talking for them, them for a while and mm-hmm. trying to, you know, I don't know how much that, you know, I do think it was a really good idea for a short film. So I don't know how much that difference it made. But I had made an effort to go to their right their network networking drinks, drinks and, and, the thing and, and the to, thing. And I don't yeah. know how anonymous the process was anyway. But anyway, I'd certainly made an effort to get to know them and to. 
make my presence known as as someone who's having ideas to make films and mm-hmm. and um, try to put myself on their agenda anyway. Which I think is a great way to do yeah. it because we've all really struggled with um, trying to find or raise money from mm-hmm. any kind of BFI type source. It just seems really difficult. Uh, the amount of filmmakers that have come on, I think out of the 150 people who've come on, I think maybe two. two. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, two yeah. people, have, you're maybe the third now, who's had any funding from a body. And these people are working filmmakers. So it's really, I find that really interesting. I don't think it's a problem. I think it, well, it is a problem for some people. You know, Phil Hawkins is certainly, you know, talks about it quite a bit. But it, I think it's sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's how it is. But like what you've said there is you were in the right place, you were talking to the right people, at least you were trying. You know, yeah. you were, whereas we're just applying. <laughs> yeah, it's a very optimistic so. kind of viewpoint, I think, because uh, obviously you, you say that, you know, there's, there's, there, that support is there, but maybe it's just a case of like, you know, you have to be looking in the right place or doing things, not, not necessarily just applying to Yeah, like you can't just go grants. straight through the system, I suppose. Yeah. No. And it has to be, you have to put in a bit of work maybe in certain areas and then uh, those sort of, investments pay off as it were mm. did you did you find it hugely beneficial then after <clears throat> it sort of got released and and you'd work with them did things progress massively from there uh, they, i mean all my other films of which there had been maybe four or five mm. that were of a decent enough level to send to film festivals you know we sent everywhere right. and got in nowhere and so the, the slightly right. the thing, and I was very, that was one of the reasons why I was thinking of giving up because I actually thought that, that Beat, the film that I'd made previously, was mm. was good, you know. And, and, you know, looking back on it now, it wasn't as good as Cubs, but it wasn't, I don't think it was bad. And it's certainly, mm. in terms of the level of success, Cubs went everywhere and it went, got to, it went to all the film festivals and got Everyone nominated for a BAFTA yeah. and, got, you know, won a Biffa mm-hmm. and it had an extraordinary level of success because it somehow tapped into the zeitgeist, whatever that, that, that may yeah. have been. And beat was like it, it got no, it did nothing like no, right. nothing yeah. like we sent it everywhere like to every festival and it didn't get in anywhere. Wow, and it, can, it can be quite demoralising, can't it? Oh god, yeah. And I think it, oh, you know it, it wasn't as good. As well. You know that's definitely true. But I don't think it was like that much. Like it wasn't in terms of the re- relative success and failure. It wasn't not comparable with the relative quality of the of the films. Mm. I, think, I think I think with film festivals sometimes it's it's more about the the agenda of like what they're accepting at the time mm. than, than whether it's mm. quality because there's a fashion element to it. There, yeah. there is, yeah. yeah. And it's Trends. sometimes films just they do well because they hit what the festival might be looking for that year or yep. and a lot of stuff. And I often see stuff at festivals and I just think like how? this how how is this here? Like honestly because no, sometimes true. you watch them and they're like fantastic like yeah. wow that really deserves to be there. Mm-hmm. Other times you just think you yeah. know, I'm not sure about the decision making process for you. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a lot to do with like you know, if you get into one good festival, it's sort yeah. of a sign of a stamp of yes. approval, and so suddenly because you've been there, then everyone else will. There's yeah. a snowball effect. Well. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've, I've, once I've gotten a few festivals in the past, suddenly yeah. I'll get the email from yeah. all the other festivals. Hey, can can you be in our exactly. festival as well? And you're like, all right, this was easy. And, and when you start winning as well, you yeah. just the next one's like, oh, it's won something. Let's let's get them. Let's get them. And then it mm. sort of stacks up, and it yeah, it can it's kind of like gambling. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like when people you're starting out I think it's almost the hardest thing is to get that first whatever that first buy-in is from mm. whoever is almost the hardest one like, because once you've once you've got it and that's what happened with me with the Cubs is once I had been someone to receive funding or to get something made like that or to get in a festival whatever mm-hmm. it may be it just made it less of a risk I suppose for other financiers or funders yeah. or mm. funding bodies whoever it was to say oh well they've done this and therefore yeah. it can you know if I'm 
looking to justify my decision making. Yes, yeah. it, it 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 sort of it does that, and that's it's a sort of you know it comes from being, I suppose being. Well, one for trying to save time, but also being risk averse as well, you know. Yeah. Mm. And, and I, I understand that. It's not like that's not, um, mm. you know, because everyone has to justify their position to an extent. But um, it's sort of, you know, certainly it can be very frustrating, I think, if you're trying to get that opportunity. It's very, very. I, think, I think it's very refreshing to hear uh, from, from a lot of the people we've, we've spoke to at varying levels. Like Everyone's gone through a process where they're considering giving up. Uh, and I think it's nice to sort of see people that are sort of working at the top end of film mm. and to, to know that they've also been through it too because <laughs> sometimes true. when you're just thinking like how am I ever going to get up there or how am I going to get here I've had it many times since as yeah. well <laughs> well exactly yeah. Yeah. Right. gosh yeah it does make us all think you know and the people yeah. listening now you sort of go oh gosh you know because it is a tough industry it's very difficult and at any point you can go well it's not some one little thing can go wrong Yeah. and you're like well how am I going to survive now I can't keep pitching projects I need to be working now to survive so and i I guess that's it it's it's the it's the longevity of like whether there's no other choice for you to Mm -hmm. keep making films and obviously for you it was and and here you are doing Mm -hmm. great so So how did you move then straight into well not straight into tv how what happened next tell us your process because the next steps seem to be quite a big big steps i actually had i can't quite remember how i met them actually the the, a production company and they've actually moved it was shine at the time and Mm -hmm. i don't know what they've they've now formed a new company but um there were these producers johnny caps and julian murphy and they they were very good at sort of recognizing up-and-coming talent and they Mm -hmm. took a real risk on me i suppose i was very lucky we I can't quite remember how it came about, but they had a pilot that was commissioned and it was about, and both my shorts were about young people and this was a sort of a, a pilot for BBC Three yep. about young people and they and they wanted to find a, a, a new a new director. Fresh, fresh voice. Exactly. And so they, and I had I think I'd met them for on a, I think maybe around about that time I got an agent as well. Nice, okay. Um, and he put me in touch with them and I think I had a general meeting. I think I, no, I pitched on a, on a project that they liked me for mm-hmm. that didn't get commissioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had met them, and even though it hadn't worked out the first time, mm-hmm. um, I, um, I, uh, they, they, I, they sort of had remembered me. And so when this project did get commissioned, they got me in to meet on it, and I pitched on it and... And, and won the job. And this yeah, is exactly. Misfits, right? Or no, was this not? was something called Disconnected, Disconnected which, was a, which was a pilot, right. and it, it, never, it didn't get picked right, up for series. Okay. But, um, but actually, weirdly, what happened is then I worked with, with them... And I were, and they, after that, uh, even though it didn't get picked up, we had a good time working with each other and they liked what I'd done. And so mm-hmm. they gave me this ITV series, Demons, which was a, that was a massive gig at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Um, so, so that was great. And, um, and then on that was a writer, Howard Overman, mm-hmm. who obviously wrote Misfits mm, and, um, right. and Howard worked with John and Julian a lot. They, they did, um, um, they've done a number of things together, um, including Merlin and including mm. uh, they did another something that I can't remember. Something School. else, something massive. Stuff, yeah, something something else. And uh, anyway, but I'd met Howard on that. Right. And sort of rather a long story. But then I went off to do Scouting But For Boys mm-hmm. and I they sent me Misfits, but I couldn't do it because I was doing Scouting But For Boys. Right. And then I came, but the scripts were fantastic. And I really ummed and about 
go, which going one for, to do really well, wow. well no no I, I always knew i wanted to do scanning for boys okay. but i i am denied about because but they got tom green who came in and did the first block and mm -hmm. i i was reluctant to go and do a second block of a series but the scripts were so great that i couldn't resist <laughs> got yeah okay and, and how, how did the how did the process of working in tv kind of differ from shorts view was it like a, a sharp learning club in terms of how it all is structured and where your place is as a director I actually found it remarkably similar at the time. Um, the difference is in, in TV, I think I was, you know, I was lower down the chain, I suppose, in terms of, of decision, ultimate decision making. So, and I found that quite, actually, I think on something like Disconnected, because it was just a pilot, I had, I had a reasonable amount, I was given a real reasonable amount of, of, of control. But mm. whereas uh, Misfits, in, but, you were kind of following the template that had already been set up. No, yeah. actually not. In, in oh. Misfits, it was a bit different. In Demons, I because it was a reasonably big show for ITV, they were quite, particularly the producers were quite clear about what they wanted and and what the network wanted and how to fulfil that brief. Um, whereas Misfits was a it was a bit more anarchic. Um, <laughs> Seating the show. <laughs> and, and and Tom had done such a great, Tom Green had done such a great job of setting it up. Uh, somehow, like, it just, that that was rather smooth. And I think because it was being, it was working, it was actually quite a smooth process and felt quite natural. Um, it's always weird that the, the, you know, and then, you know, there's certainly some TV I've done that has been very, you know, I have, I've been really disappointed about how, what I started out thinking it was going to be compared to what, what it became, what it became because of whatever broadcaster or network or or, or notes system, you know, particularly that's been working in in American TV, mm. actually. But um, mm. so TV experiences can differ quite a lot, depending massively, on, yeah. massively, yeah. And it can be very, very similar to to making it to making a film, mm. um, and it can be very, very different as well. So as you know, ladies and gentlemen, we are often sponsored by some really, really cool people. And I'm delighted to say this week's podcast is sponsored by Shotlister. And without a shadow of a doubt in my heart, I am delighted to welcome uh, to the Filmmakers Podcast, not for the first time because he was on episode 107, but it is the creator of Shotlister himself. He is a filmmaker. He is the fantastic Zach Lipovsky. Welcome. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much. I'm very excited as well. And you have some exciting news for us. Uh, not just right. only about Shotlister, but you've got a story, right? Yeah, about I mean... Indiana Jones. Well, one of the cool things about Shotlister is when you first download it, it comes with a Shotlist pre-built into it. And so I had to decide what mm -hmm. Shotlist do I want to put in there. And of course, Indiana Jones is one of my favorite movies of all time. And so I, sh I, I built a shot list of the rolling boulder sequence um, going back and finding the original storyboards that they used. Um, and actually, I have this book that has all of the it's like a huge book with all of the making of, of uh, Indiana Jones. And I even went back and found the actual shoot day of of the rolling boulder sequence that they did in England. Uh, which was in 1980 and put the actual day, I think it's like wow. June, June 3rd or something <laughs> and uh, figured out, you know, all the different setups and everything. And so you can, when you, when you get the app, you get this kind of pre-built shot list that you can see how the app looks and how it works based on that, that amazing scene. That is really cool. And I love the fact that you chose that Indiana Jones <laughs> as that example, because then 
people everyone remembers that i had nightmares about that scene for years yeah years and years was it so, always a, yeah, a rolling boulder in your dreams or was it, was, it something else it was always a rolling boulder <laughs> <laughs> it was all it was like a huge marble type thing that chased me but i never knew what it was oh. until i got much older and then managed to re-watch the film and i obviously caught it as a kid and scared the crap out of me um well, now you can <laughs> so, confront your fears with Shotlister. So basically, everyone, um, Zach is not only a filmmaker, but he owns and created Shotlister. And we are giving 50 free copies away. And if you want one, what do they have to do, Zach? Um, all they've got to do is email filmmakerspodcast at shotlister.com and uh, tell us which version you want, because we have Mac OS, Android, and iOS. Just tell us what you want, and uh, if we've got any left, we'll, we'll send you one. And then if, if we don't have any left the next month, just email us again, and we'll send you one then. There you go. That is amazing. Uh, you lovely listeners, that's what you get from for us for listening to us. For free! <laughs> and you get the fantastic story from Zach. Tune in next week. We'll have another special guest. Who might it be, Zach? I don't know. It might be someone who sounds a lot like me, but we'll see. It might just be that. Uh, so there you go. The, the link to that will be in the show notes. We should get back to this week's podcast. Zach, thank you very much. Thank Bye. you. Let's talk about your first feature in the scouting book for boys. Let's talk about how did that come about? I mean, was did that script get sent to you? Did How did the process work there? Actually, in the same way as all these things have come, a bit of ser serendipity and a mm -hmm. bit of um, networking and a bit of right place at the right time. Right. Um, so on coming up that I had done for Channel 4, um, I read some of the other writers' scripts and I read Jack Thorne was on it at the time and I read his script for it and I really loved it. And I, mm. so I just called him up and I, well, I, I think we shared each other's emails or I, I don't know, Something. but we got in, yeah. I got in touch with him. I said, um, loved your script and maybe we could just meet up for a cup of tea. Mm. And we got on and we chatted and he said, oh, I'm doing this thing with, um, um, Ivana McKinnon, who I'd also met because she was a sort of emerging producer at the time. And, mm -hmm. So I went and met with Ivana and we started talking and we started developing the screenplay. Right. Um, and so it sort of it evolved from there. And But, you know, the stars lined for that film, really, you know, because Ivana was working for Cloud 8 Films, who had just um, just made Slumdog Millionaire, so for mm. film four. Mm -hmm. So Christian Coulson was, amazing was the man of the moment in yes. that sense, which made him a lot easier, I think, to extract a, you know, a relatively small amount of money mm -hmm. comparatively from film four which was again was our sort of one of our the first piece of finance which helped us to kind of put everything else together how do you go about um setting up your feature then in terms of are you storyboarding are you, you shot listing early how do you process it in your mind the overall picture and the arc and the look do you set out you know lovely images do you send them all to your dp what's your process I think it changes. It, it mm -hmm. I think it's it, and it's evolved as well. Yeah, it definitely evolved. Um, I, in general, what I try and do is I try and have as set it up in as collaborative a way as possible. So I try and have bring everyone together in 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 HOD meetings or mm -hmm. even wider than that, um, so that we can all inspire each other mm. um, rather than having single conversations, a sort of top-down approach. That's nice. I like um, that way. Yeah, yeah, very good. And yeah. um, and I do. I try and plan as much as possible. Um, but you know, 
it's always a delicate thing. I try and be in a position where I've planned as much as possible so I can throw it all out the window because it's inevitably yeah. going to change anyway. Yes, yeah. Um, but you also, I also try not to prep too much too far in advance because it's a sort of a bit of a waste of time until you have a bit of a clearer idea. Mm. And you can be in a situation like I was in Peaky Blinders when I was three days away from shooting and Steve Knight came back from whatever project he was working on and mm -hmm. read the scripts and was like, yeah, no, and put them all in the bin oh my and gosh. Uh, did wow. a page one rewrite. And so, oh. do you know what I mean? So you have to be open to <laughs> the fact that things are going to change potentially wow. massively. Are, yeah. Are, are you very, um, in terms of like the, the script side, do you, do you like to sort of get very hands-on in, in development of, of whatever you're working on? Do you like to sort of oversee like a writer? Like what is there, how, how involved do you think you are personally on that? I like to be involved from the very as early as possible, and I like the writer then be involved through to the very end of the process. You know, I really, you know, each person is custodian at different times um, of of the project, and, um, and you know, to begin with, that's the writer, and uh, and then the, you know they hand it over to you, to to me. But I I like to be involved in having those conversations, partly so I can be feel like I've been involved in the genesis of as much as possible and fed into it. But it's also it's about getting to a place where you're as, as as connected to the material as possible by the time you come to shoot it. And that's not just that's not just you and the writer. I think that's me and the actors as well. Mm. And I really like the actors to be involved as early as possible and to just to hang out with them and spend time with them and mm -hmm. to work through the script. So for me, rehearsal is more is more about us all getting onto the same creative, into the same creative space where we're not spending our time on set arguing about a line or yeah, yeah. a motivation yeah. or yeah, a yeah. thing. You know, yeah, we're there already. The time on set is therefore about taking some risks and 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 throwing ourselves into it and searching for the magic rather than rather than having a, a logistical argument about a piece of blocking or something. You know. Yeah. No, so, how, do you like working with actors? And it seems like you do. I get the impression you really like forging a sort of nice relationship with actors early on so you can get the best out of them. Yeah, I, I love actors. A lot mm. of my closest friends are actors and um, I think it's a very difficult job and mm -hmm. um, and I think it's exposing, you know, like, you know, you're, it's not just, you know, I, think, I find it exposing enough presenting my work to people Sure. and it's not my face and my body, mm -hmm. <laughs> body in that as well. So, uh, and I think that, you know, in order to make in, the most interesting work, I think you do need to take risks and I think by definition, if you're taking your risks, then sometimes you're going to fail. Um, mm. And so you need to create this safe space where people can fail on the one hand, but also where you can really push push things on the, on the other hand and have the, have great uh, successes or um, find new territory or you know whatever it is on the, on the, on the other side as well. Oh, and I guess not not sort of making it feel like a failure if it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's not... a big thing. Like because you know sometimes people can be very critical and be like, oh, no, that's not what I was thinking of. You know, mm. and then they don't want to try something the next time. Yeah, I mean, failure is probably the wrong word because yeah, yeah. you know there is there is genuinely no such thing in a creative environment. But it's like you you have to try different things, and they're not always the direction that you combined with thinking. But if you don't try, then how are you mm -hmm. going to find out? You know? Yeah, I love I love working with actors. I really find you can. Yeah. 
you can mould, shape a performance a little bit and you can get them there really quickly or certain actors like different notes. That was quite one of the early challenges, I think. It was like, oh, hang on, you all like different things. So you say one thing to you and then you've got to think yeah. about the way you say it to the other person and yeah. that's really tough. One person will use personal experiences and another one will come from the script. Yeah, and, someone and some, just wants yeah. the whole outline of the scene exactly. rather than individual yeah. details and someone just wants details. And yeah. That's learning, right? I've learned a couple of interesting things relatively recently. One is that actors ask other actors for references about directors. You come across this? Yeah, <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> this is like a rating out of five or something. Well, because we do it with actors, right? We call up yeah. friends who've worked with them or produce. You go, hey, what were they like? Am I going to have a nervous breakdown with this yeah, person? Yeah, they're a diva. What's wrong with this one? Yeah. Yeah. But, but they oh, wow. obviously do it to us as well. You forget. Yeah. Well, of course they would. Why, why wouldn't yeah. you? Why yeah. wouldn't I mean, you? definitely would, right? Call up to say, what were they like? Were they, uh, were they a proper ball out twat of a director or were they really nice and got a great performance? Yeah, probably a whole TripAdvisor style website. Rankings, different badges you can get. I'd love to know what mine was. Wouldn't that be yeah. nice? It's a rating. secret, you know, yeah. it's only exactly. actors know about it. It's, right, you can't yeah. get on yeah. unless it's like you're... like an Uber rating. Yeah. 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 yeah, you could get fired for it. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. So great, you love working with actors because um, you've, you've got some amazing performances out of some amazing actors. You know, Wild Rose is a perfect example with Jesse Buckley. Who's a fantastic new talent. Oh my gosh. I met her at the Black Adir uh, Music Festival. I was filming some stuff there for the festival and she was there performing songs from Wild Rose and it was just a delight to, to meet her and talk to her and she's just, just a fresh new talent. But you got an amazing performance. However you did it, I don't know, but on screen. And I think that's what's really important is you know that kind of side of things. How did you... Perfect example to talk about Wild Rose before we talk about aeronauts is how did you... How did you eke that out because wow it's heart-wrenching and mm. beautiful uh, i mean obviously she takes takes the credit for it um mm. and she's a, a formidable talent and brilliant actress and a wonderful person um mm. but um but i you know i i knew that from early on in meeting her that she was an exceptional talent and but more than that we we really loved working with each other on one piece right uh, and we wanted to find something to work w- with you know it's a two-way thing you know it's, it's about inspiration it's mm-hmm. again it's about trust and it's about um finding a r- relationship where you can push each other you know that's true um, yeah where yeah. Uh, and i think you know i found with actors where it where it's you know it's much more rewarding of course if it's a two-way you know i i can tell someone what i want them to do but that's to me is only operating on a base base level you know it's much more interesting to me when you can push and prod and inspire each other and dare each other to yeah go to new you know new places and and that 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 dialogue i suppose is can make you think about a, a role or a character or a scene or something differently and i think that um you know if you set something in stone before you go and film it or my experience is if I set it too soon, then I'm not being open to the the full possibility of that scene. Mm. And if if I can have a a, a a reciprocal relationship with someone like Jessie, where she's pushing me to think about the scene as much as I'm pushing her to think about the scene, then it evolves. And that's you know that doesn't just go with actors. That's DPs, mm. yeah. of course, yeah. all crew members, yeah. and um, you know everyone on, on set really. Mm. Yeah, and I, I guess I guess with someone like that who's giving a very raw performance as well, you need to. There needs to be a level of you opening up to them to let them feel safe to to really go to those depths of like emotional sort of. Uh, that's absolutely right, and I think with someone like 
you know, when you get into, particularly if you get into quite a vulnerable, you know, if an actor is taking themselves to quite a vulnerable place, that you need to be, that's a position of responsibility and care and um, knowing when you can push and when you can't yeah. push. And that, I, I think, if you, particularly if you can get to that sort of the edgy, exciting, magical place where you can, when you're, but you're playing with human emotions, you know, it's not mm -hmm. just... You, you know, I find with someone like Jessie, the things that she, some of the things that she's drawing upon, you know, you have to be very sensitive to, and you have to know each other and you have to know, I have to be very acutely aware emotionally of what's going on. And I think that's, that's what excites me about film sets in general. Like, you know, I, I do think that sometimes when people come into a film set, they think, hey, everyone's just sitting around having a cup of tea. Like, totally, yeah. yeah. But actually everyone is on, if it's working well, mm -hmm. everyone's on exactly the same wavelength. So yep. they know exactly when to move, when not to move, when to turn over. You know, there's a real unforeseen, unseen thing that's so going rhythm, on communication. Everyone knows yeah. each other's words. It's yeah. amazing when that when happens. When to intervene, when not to intervene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Exactly. And, that's, and I think you can only do that if you've built up that relationship of trust you know mm. and that's of course that's with 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 your actors but again that's with that's it goes both ways both them trusting me me trusting them uh, and that's actors for, primarily i'd say because of how exposing it is for the actor but it, but definitely true of, of all all crew members as well mm. yeah no it, it's uh, it's such a, a blessed position to be in when you get those moments with actors when it's just working and you're just on the same wavelength and the, then the crew are as well and you're all in sync with that moment and you go, right, okay, ready to go, let's turn over and it, it just happens like magic, everything, just little tweaks and moments and it's it's kind of a wonderful place to be, right? Yeah, yeah, it's real kind of a beauty of communication. Mm. And so much concentration and you can almost smell the, the sort of concentration energy in the air and it's just, just you sometimes just looking at the monitor or looking at the actor and wanting the camera to move in the right place and it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I agree more. So yeah, so obviously we could talk about Wild Rose forever, but we really need to talk about uh, the Aeronauts, um, which is out now. It is a fantastic new movie. Do you want to give us a little pitch, and then we'll drop in the trailer? <laughs> yeah, it is about two people who, in eighteen sixty-two, uh, try to go higher than anyone's ever been before, uh, and they make it to thirty-six thousand feet. Um, but it doesn't all go smoothly and it turns into a white knuckle roller coaster ride and an epic fight for survival. I believe there are answers in the sky. Up there is where I have found the greatest happiness. Gentlemen, to predict the weather could save hundreds of thousands of lives. We are scientists, not fortune tellers you'll get your chance they'll realize your worth i think they know my worth quite well enough prove them wrong james i'm a really good aeronaut i want to use what i'm good at women don't belong in balloons and she makes such a show of herself miss wren i need to make studies of yeah i'm not a coachman for hire you are the only person who could fly us higher than anyone has ever been so will you? So it begins. Don't you wish to be up there with them? 
Some reach for the stars. Some push others towards them. We're about to get wet. Is this balloon not the strongest it's ever been? Even so, it can't fight the weather. Oh, God! I have a feeling they're not coming back. We're travelling into an unknown. Stay alive. Amazing. Uh, the the link to the trailer to watch that is in the show notes. But why not just go to the cinema and watch it? It is out now. It is fantastic. I mean, it stars Felicity Jones, uh, Eddie Redmayne. I mean, what you know, you already got Tom Courtney's in Tom there. Tom Courtney's in there. Yeah. I uh, mean, Rebecca Fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a great cast. A great cast. And wow, that must have been so nice, I suppose, for you to go. Okay, Wild Rose did really well in terms of we loved it I don't know how well it did critically I hope it did really really well but it was just beautiful beautiful film and obviously then went do some more TV but then you come back on to do the aeronauts tell us how it came about tell us who approached you with the story how you thought yes this is going to be my next movie well uh, it was actually on War and Peace and George Steele my cinematographer George um, Steele yeah uh, mentioned that he'd heard a bit of this book falling upwards, being read out on the radio. And wouldn't it be a great cinematic opportunity to tell a whole story set in the sky? Mm. And I thought, yeah, it would. So I went and bought the book and sat at my bedside table for a year. And then uh, I dipped into <laughs> it. And re- I, all right, you read it. Okay. I, I, read this, I, read this, I read the flight that he had heard read out on the radio. And, mm. and it was fascinating uh, and remarkable when they got to 36,000 feet, which is higher than anyone's been before. Or since, actually, without the use of um, supplemental oxygen. Uh, but there wasn't quite enough to hang a film off because they sat in silence for the most part whilst they were taking measurements. And obviously, this doesn't make the greatest drama. It's <laughs> yeah, so, so, kind so. of like a Bellator. We're like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like a bit too much of your actors for that. Yeah. Yeah. So he sat in the bedside for another year or something. <laughs> and then uh, and then I read it from the beginning. And I there were a whole bunch of other flights where <clears throat> some remarkable all sorts of remarkable things happened and there was this other character who I was really drawn to called Sophie Blanchard and she was this remarkable firecracker flamboyant woman who uh, used to do acrobatics and her husband tragically died in a ballooning accident and she would set off fireworks from the basket of her balloon while she was in the air mm. I thought well if you took her and put her in the basket with the, the scientist the meticulous James Glacier then you'd have a real interesting chemistry mm. um, and then so about 90% of what happens in the film is real it just doesn't all happen at the same time um, do you know what I speak- like do you know what I like about this is when we would when I first started writing scripts, one of the first thing they said was, "Don't ever put elephants or hot air balloons into a script <laughs> because you'll never get it, mate." Have you got any elephants? Yeah. So specific. <laughs> it was so specific. It was. Is that true? Yeah. They said, "Don't put hot air balloons in because people." It's really weird. And it's like, yeah, tigers you find. But tigers, elephants, no. Yeah. Foxes, <laughs> foxes, yeah. no imagine problem. The, imagine the pitching for Dumbo. Yeah. 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 So, how? Okay. So it's Amazon studios right who uh, came to you with this or uh, i was getting 
So you'd read the book by this point and said, right, okay, I want to go make this. How did you get the rights for it? How did you get it going? Uh, so I just called up and option, optioned the book. You just called up? Oh. I love that. Yeah. Um, I, call, I called him up. Hello, mate. <laughs> I said, hello, mate. Let me option your book. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, yeah, sure, no problem. How long do you want? Yeah. Um, Give us a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but that is basically what happened. There's <laughs> <laughs> no, no other story there. That is what happened. Great. Um, and it was actually, you know, I think that they were so surprised to be called up they gave it to me for not very much money yes yeah I can um, imagine and um, and so so I opened the book we uh, and I took it to Jack Thorne mm. well actually I wrote a sort of a very rough outline okay. from the the, bit, the the best bits the best I bits thought, you could remember in the book and sort yeah. of reimagining the okay. two people in the basket um, did, and did, did you have them in mind those actors from the start did you sort no. of, did you think how the the chemistry they had from previous things or did it come from a different angle no it, that came later actually I think it was just about I, personally, I like to try not to imagine actors in the role too soon because it sort of limits the creative possibilities mm. of that character uh, if it's too early. And um, it can be a huge disappointment. I yeah, mean, yeah. Well, quite, there's yeah. that as well. It's like, oh, don't imagine this. And, yeah, when you not, might not get them. Yeah. yeah. Well, that way you're never disappointed. There's enough disappointments in filmmaking anyway yeah. without <laughs> having yeah. to go, well, I want Tom Cruise. I've got Tom Cruise. Can't yeah. get the elephant. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get the elephant. Yeah. There's Beaten. such a sense of optimism about this film and the kind of the theme of like buoyancy. You get that from the opening titles when you see the little O's in the titles yeah. moving up. That was like a really nice touch. Oh, but thanks. Like, Glad you noticed that. Um, and just uh, we were talking about acting, obviously, and it, it made me think... Obviously, there's a lot of special effects in this film with like CG matte paintings and things like that. And so uh, the scenes where they're in the basket, it made yeah. me think of like the complete opposite of like the George Lucas uh, Star Wars prequels approach, where he's treating actors more as kind of special effects and being a very hands off approach. And instead, you're kind of really dialing into that like raw emotion. And I don't know when you, when you some of those shots where it's shot really wide angle, and you're seeing Felicity Jones, and you're really you're seeing that kind of raw emotion coming through. It really sort of I was thinking of that when we were, when you were talking oh, about your acting process. I mean, we actually did quite a lot for real as well. Mm. Um, we we built a up balloon and we took it into the sky and we shot a lot of it at three thousand feet over Oxfordshire. Wow! Um, what were you in? Were you also in? I was in the helicop- in a helicopter. You were in the helicopter. Yeah, fine. Which okay. doesn't you know helicopters and balloons don't, don't seem like really they go near yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. Could you just get don't, closer? Don't get the cords. Mm, no, um, <laughs> there's actors in there. But I think that you know obviously we didn't do you know we did a chunk like that we couldn't do it all but the fact that we had done some of it really helped helped them I think in terms of yeah. recreating it on the on the stage it must be so much better for an actor you look down you go well this is easy now yeah. <laughs> Same on the but c- they, we tried to, as much as possible to get as, do as much you know, so we did freeze a room to below freezing to, to get the, the wow. temperature and they stuck their hands in ice buckets wow. and we wow. we went to and we to a, um, a military base and did some hypoxia training to kind of get that sense so again like you know, really we good. knew that there must be so much we knew we were going to have to do a chunk of it as visual effects so we just wanted to get yeah. as close to what it would have been like and they knew as possible and we and they knew that that part of the delivering the performances that were necessary to realize the film were about the the extreme physical journey that those characters have to go on and they Mm. they were amazing in just throwing themselves into it Mm. so they weren't just comfy on a set you really kind of put them through the paces yeah no they really went through it not only did they really go through it but they really embraced it and they they wanted to push themselves as far as they they could which was really you know i have great 
admiration and gratitude for them, Absolutely. <laughs> them for doing it. Did you ever worry that obviously it's it's the two main cast from a theory of everything? Was that I mean it must have come up quite a bit, but was that ever an issue for you? Pre existing kind of relationship in a way. Mm. I, I just thought it was a positive really because I knew that they worked so well together and they had this great chemistry. So um and again they had that kind of that they already had a relationship of trust and it's lost just why they liked each other because they were in a basket for most of the movie so they had a <laughs> it's true you can't get away from each other yeah. absolutely yeah. absolutely um, um but yeah but just going back to, yeah. to how it got made but so the jack wrote it on script from that from that outline on spec oh, it's on spec he yes. wrote the script from spec on from, from your that, outline from that outline which is amazing so to get jack we, to do that i mean wow that's great i guess we just worked together for sort of so he was many like time so Probably likely this will go ahead. So therefore, and we also we... knew that we were in a wanted to be in a position where we had c- more control. control, so that we could kind of set it up in the way that we believed we were gonna, it was going to give us the best opportunity to to make the film that we wanted to make. So, so that meant that we were able to take it out and and give it to and sell it at the same to give it to different studios all at the same time and create a sort of a bidding war, if you like. So, and that that worked very successfully for us. That's incredible. Did you literally do that? Did you? send it at the same time did you have them in a room did you do a big pitching session how does that work we sent a script and a director statement and some visual references um, to all the studios at the same time wow, wow. and yeah. did everyone bite pretty much I imagine there was, we had lots of interest okay. lots of immediate passes and about six people who were interested and then we were able to kind of play those off against each other did you have any Ever. cast interest at that point or was no one attached no one was attached at that point. Wow! So, so purely just on the concept and, and the, the, script. And the script. The script, yeah. And Amazing. you and your two names now, because at this point, you you know yourself and Jack are doing very well in the world, and people are like dying to see what you're to doing next. So I suppose that helps too, uh, enough, you know, to sort of go, well, hey, this is us, and we've got some really cool projects. You, you kind of want to know about it. Yeah. So technically, you're producing now, then as well. I mean, that's kind of doing a lot of the producing work. Yes, we did actually. Put, um, I should say before we went out with it, we did take the film to a producer who we thought would be good. Someone called Todd Liebman, David Hobman. Mm-hmm. Jack had worked with them before on Wonder, um, and I had met with Todd um, beforehand. And so they they had just done Beauty and the Beast, so we knew that we needed a, a heavy heavyweight, yeah, heavyweight okay. that was going to that people were going to feel comfortable with, and and who just who knew the different people in the studios. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that that felt it felt important. And it does it does make a big difference, doesn't it? Having someone that people trust just to yeah. I mean, they just made a billion dollars. So it, you know, yeah. just I think in people it just seeded it in people's mind as this could be a, a successful film. Whereas, mm. not that they didn't think that with me and Jack, but I think it just helps on the kind of the financial side yeah. and and on the just the the clout. You know, mm. what it means to deliver. Yeah. Was anything cast dependent in terms of did you get the green light on the basis of the project or did they say, well, as long as you've got someone in this bracket and someone in this bracket or was it not like that? No, it was definitely cast dependent. Okay. I mean, they were on board and they believed, very much believed in the project, but I don't, you know, without two A-list actors, I don't think we would have got the, the finance that we needed. We've probably got... One minute? Uh, one minute. Make it a good minute. Well, look, before... A big minute. A big, yeah. long minute. Expanded minute. Expanded minute. <laughs> Expanded minute. Expanded three asked, minute minute. Yeah, exactly. Well, I asked a question. <laughs> no, no she's shaking her head. head. <laughs> so I'm going to ask three questions. <laughs> in laughing with his anger there. We was wasting our minute. Yeah, we are totally wasting the minute. Um, okay, so 
Let's do it like speed dating. Speed dating. Okay, yeah. how to get the finance? Let's talk about that then. So obviously you went straight to studios. Studios. So why pick the one you picked? Uh, they wanted it the most and they were the most aggressive, but they also had a passion for it. They really showed that they wanted it from a creative point of view as well as putting their money where their mouth was. They were just really excited by the idea. That's nice. How much money did they ish put in? I mean, uh, The budget was about $40 million net. Okay, that's not, that's, that's not bad. And in terms very of. Healthy. Yeah, very healthy. And then that, that A list cast then come along and help that massive. Yeah, I mean, obviously for me, that was like loads of money. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. yeah. Whoa. Uh, so <laughs> I was delighted with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which meant you could really think about how you're going to shoot it and really plan all that sort of VFX, which ones were going to be and which ones weren't. Exactly. And we had the chance to make some stuff for, do something. You know, we start, start for that amount of money, the starting point was, okay, what's the best way of doing this? We'll start there. Maybe we can't afford to do everything, but at least we can try and do most of it exactly we've really got to wrap up which is such a shame this has been brilliant thank you Tom um, can you give some advice to filmmakers out there that from something you wish you'd heard when, when you were starting out one key bit of information that makes you not want to quit um, I mean the, the, it's probably the, the ones that people have heard before that are the most useful to me but I didn't hear them till a bit later on so maybe um, it's useful the first is like I think if you want to be a director or a writer or a producer or, or anything really you, you have to be doing it so so just make stuff. You know, I've, I've, I've definitely had friends who I admire enormously that have got stuck because they've been waiting for a perfect project or th- that just doesn't exist. And mm. and by making things, you meet people and you learn things and you take you in new directions. And that's all I've always found. That's always, a, at the very least, it's a great experience and catalyst for the next thing. Um, so that's always stood me in very good stead. And the other one is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, you know, it's an obvious one, but mm. it really, you know, you want. I personally have always wanted everything now. Totally, I agree. Yeah, um, get frustrated, but and get frustrated. But it does. You know, you have to remember that actually you want to be making films. Hopefully, for the next decades to come Many, um, yes. so so that's worth keeping in the back of your mind amazing thank you very much the aeronauts is out now in cinemas go check it out go see it it's fantastic congratulations tom um where can people follow you have you got are you on the socials right you're on your twitters i, I am a little bit i'm on i'm on the twitters yeah. occasionally are you what uh at tom harper you're flying and out at, at tom, oh yeah flying and out <laughs> Fly. at, at tom harps i like the aeronauts you can follow me at giles alderson robbie Robbie McCain Dom Lenoir it's not it's director Dom Lenoir oh come yeah. on no, it's director oh, yeah. Dom Lenoir no D-I-R D-I-R, yeah. D-I-R. Oh, there'll be a link in the show now yeah. so it doesn't <laughs> uh, you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod on Twitter um, and being prepared is everything you can make your indie film but know who your audience is and get out there and do it and remember if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it's your duty to send that elevator back down thank you very much Tom really appreciate your time thank very you very much good luck good Thanks, luck Tom, with the uh, good luck with the run thanks a lot thanks, all the guys. best